0: Good morning! I hope everybody's well. It is Thursday. I am releasing this a little bit late today. I realize that. But it just couldn't be helped. So here I am uh, on the show today. I have the wonderful Brooks Hubbard. Brooks is a good friend of mine that um, I met when I was on the road playing with Stephen Kellogg. He came out on the road and opened. I actually saw him for the first time before I was even playing with Stephen. So um, the dude was a drummer Now, guitarist, singer, songwriter, has a few albums out, and man, he is one of the coolest, one of the best voices that I've heard in a while, so please be sure to check out um, Brooks' stuff. Uh, Go check him out on iTunes and on Spotify. He's really, really great, and in this conversation, we're both fans of John Mayer. We talk a little bit about his drummers, and... um, I had this, <laughs> this like really bad take about um, Steve Ferrone later on in the episode that I was going to take out, but I ended up not taking it out because um, what happened was John Mayer was supposed to play March 4th in Boston, and I was supposed to go see that show, but it was canceled because Steve Ferrone, uh, John's drummer at the time, was... Uh, uh, Tested positive for COVID. And then, basically, the whole band ended up testing positive for COVID. So, all that stuff got canceled. The show is not going to be until May 9th, which is next. It's coming Monday, actually. So, what ended up happening was, when the band came back after their COVID break, um, after their canceled shows, Steve Ferroni was not the drummer anymore. So, not really sure what happened. Who knows? It's really all up in the air. There's a lot of stuff on the internet about how, you know, he came back and he just wasn't, didn't want to do it. And he wasn't doing a good job or whatever. And later on this episode, my take about Steve, who I love as a drummer, and I didn't feel like I really articulated it very well. So you'll hear it when it happens. It's later on in the episode. But um what i was trying to say was that he just if he felt like he was playing a little bit stiff up there um i don't know i'm not sure why uh why it it felt like that because steve is is such an incredible drummer he was an incredible drummer for uh the heartbreakers um and just you know years and years and years of just solid world class pro drumming but I am an Aaron Sterling fanboy, and I'm a Steve Jordan fanboy, and I just know how the songs sound when when those guys are playing them. And um, But anyway, what ended up happening was Steve Roney never came back to the tour, and there's a lot of speculation whether he just really still wasn't feeling well from COVID or if it just really wasn't working out um with with him on the road or whatever so aaron sterling came back which is very exciting but i feel bad you know you never want to see somebody leave a tour or get kicked off a tour or whatever happens hopefully it was mutual hopefully well i hope it was mutual but i hope he's he's feeling well so i hope there was a a good it left in a good place there but um anyway i just wanted to clear up what i ended up saying at the towards the end of this episode uh Cause I love the guy, but every time I would listen to something on YouTube or on a phone, it just felt super stiff to me, and, um, and it, didn't, it didn't sound right, so I'm looking forward to going to see that concert on May 9th, um, which is in, at TD Garden uh, this coming Monday, so that's going to be awesome, but anyway, thought I'd clear that up before we get into it. You can always email into the podcast and tell me uh, how much you think I'm wrong about c Ferroni honey uh, at afterthegigpod at gmail.com. And um, check out the website and all that good stuff, afterthegigpod.com and the patreon.com slash afterthegig. That's my spiel. Remember, only stick around for the music after the, the podcast. I like to feature a song by an artist, the artist that I have on, or a song that they're featured on as a musician, or a song that of a musician that they wanted me to play because they're a manager or whatever. So, I uh, I really, really, you know, I picked out these songs because I like them and I think they're good for the episodes. and And um, I really, really enjoyed, really enjoyed going through Brooks's catalog and uh, picking out a couple tunes for you guys to listen to. So, please. Enjoy this episode with the great Brooks Hubbard.
1: My daddy raised me to be right. To fight for this land to the day I die. Fighting for the promise of a golden dream. Underneath the shadow of the cedar trees. March from Richmond in the July sun
2: in uh, Sam is pregnant right now with our first. Whoa. So, yeah. We're doing April, so coming right up. Um, April what?
0: What's the what's the due date? 23rd. Awesome. Ethan's birth Ethan's birthday is in April. April. Oh cool. April 4th. My
2: birthday is in April and my dad's birthday is in April, so he's the third Hubbard boy uh, Whoa. to be born in April. Yeah. <clears throat> not something,
0: here yet. But. Something about the month of, you know, what was I guess what was 9 months before <laughs> before April.
2: August. So his his name's actually August. Oh um, man. We didn't cool. we didn't name him because Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's right. what you should
0: that's what you should tell him. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that's great. Um Yeah, Sam's birthday's in August too, but we just like that name. Um Yeah. August Rivers Hubbard and and Rivers for Uh, because he'll be twice as big as me so brooks and then rivers so
0: that's awesome (laughs) man i love it i love that that's great august is a fantastic name that's a really really great name you don't hear it very often and uh yeah and very very cool was that was the brooks rivers thing like like that was a thing or you just i think we
2: we were bouncing around first names first and 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 then it was like oh well it needs to have a flow or something and I was like flow. What about rivers? You know. Yeah, I and, love it. And loved it right away. So that's yeah. great. Oh man! Congratulations. And what's crazy is we. Congratulations, everybody. Thank you. Everybody in our family was thinking uh, our first was going to be a girl because there's just so many boys. We know so many boys being born right now, and my sister has two boys. Um, so we we're like, well, I guess we're destined for a girl, and mm-hmm. and uh,
0: it's, law of averages. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's so cool. That's so if you have any tips for me.
2: Yeah, just just sleep, sure sleep
0: just sleep sleep often. Sleep often. And it's funny because in the beginning <clears throat> it's just it's all about it's all about her. You know, you gotta it's the most the all the support you can give because it's it is so much harder on the mom than than it is on the dad. I mean you You'll be up and everything, but she'll be, you know, feeding him, you know, every three hours, every couple hours, being up, being sleep deprived for, I'd say hardcore for a good three months. And then, and then it, uh, it kind of levels out once, once you get him sleeping through the night in his own room, in his own space. That's when, that's when it gets pretty great. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's great. It's all it's it's all great. It, it's it but it's it's challenging and it's it'll really test your patience. So, you seem like a patient guy.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely a patient guy. Um but I'm as far as my hours, I'm going to need to start waking up sooner. You know, I've been trying to like sleep in as much as I can right now <laughs> to, try, yeah. try to try to like rest up for it, but
0: Yeah, the hardest thing for me is when I go on the road. It's like cuz I I try, I stay up late. I'm a night owl. I don't know about you, hmm. but um, I I like to stay up late. I don't want the, the day to end. <laughs> for the, for, I want to get every little bit out of the day. In the same can. way, yeah. So I will, I'll stay up late, and I know, and I'm thinking the whole time, especially these days, because even right now is going through a phase where he's waking up at, like, f- quarter to 5 a.m. So we put him down at, like, 7 and he's been up at quarter to five like every day for a, about a week and a half, couple weeks, and we're exhausted. <laughs> it's like it's a lot, and he's like getting up. And he anyway, um, but it's a, it's a it's a whole other set of set of problems. But I just try, you know, I try to keep my schedule pretty consistent when I'm on, like because I travel so sporadically, and because I'm up late playing a show, like. If I got into the habit of going to bed at seven p.m. or eight p.m. when he goes to bed, or right after he goes to bed, I would literally not be able to play a show because I would be falling asleep. You know, right. I, I'd be so tired. So I try to split the difference a little bit so I can keep things uh, keep things pretty. You know, keep myself awake at play night. Play to your strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So you'll probably do find the same same thing and some some parents you know um you know Rob Griffith right
2: yes loosely yeah
0: Play, he played drums with with Kellogg and he plays he's in bronze radio return but yep. um hit their schedule what they did was he would like stay up all night with the baby when when the baby was like a newborn he would stay up all night and then he would sleep all day while uh, while well, his wife took care of the baby. I'm pretty sure that's what, what was happening. Yeah, he would just stay up all night. And I can't do that. I, I cannot I'm a night owl, but I have to I have to go to bed at some point and get like at least six hours. Yeah. You know? So I wish you the best of luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, read the book read some books. Oh
2: yeah, definitely. Um and obviously part of moving back here is to be around family. So we have all of our family is like 15 to 20 minutes away. So that's like huge. I don't know what we do down in Nashville, especially if I was gone the way I used to be. Um, It would be really hard on Sam. So
0: yeah. Having the support, man, that's why we moved to Rhode Island to have, Mm -hmm. to have that support system around us. It was so important. And even still it's um, it's, I don't know what we would do without it. Like my sister watches him on Fridays and Allows us both to like work and get stuff done. He's at daycare right now, which is my chance to do this kind of thing and catch up on on my stuff and book book gigs and write emails and all that stuff. So it's just uh, it's it's a lot of um, planning. Well, it's all it's all about logistics. Like your life just becomes about logistics. That's basically it. You're just you know, you're filling in blocks of time, really. But it's great. (laughs) <laughs> which
2: I I'm honestly excited about that because I can I can very much like just follow my muse and and sort of be not routine at all mm-hmm. um and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to like adulting in that way you know to be like structured and and but obviously there's
0: it's a 24-hour job you know so Yeah well the nice thing is that you have each other to lean on when you need each other you know it's like it gets it gets stressful man i mean when there there was a couple of days where i was watching him on my own early on and um jen would come home it was when jen went back to work and jen would come home and i would just be like i just need to go for a drive <laughs> like i just need to be by myself for for a good couple hours i would drive down to point judith down to the water my favorite spot think about jumping in um <laughs> and uh and i i, I wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but no, there's some days where you're just like I just need I just need to get away um just so you have some time and no one will tell you that so you've heard it here first everyone says it's amazing all the time 100% of the time it's really tough a lot of times but um well that's good I mean what so what are you gonna do with uh are you thinking about releasing any new music coming up Uh, has this inspired you to write more stuff
2: yeah i'm i'm like fully embracing the dad singer songwriter thing um Mm -hmm. which is like i knew i was destined for it already because growing up i was into like jack johnson and you know all this Mm -hmm. like family friendly kind and stephen kellogg um like one of my favorite (laughs) yeah one of my favorite live moments um ever seeing anybody was was uh I saw Stephen in Burlington, Vermont and he was singing um uh, Oh Adeline and and went off stage in the middle of the song and got Addie and had her, you know, in his arms and he was singing like uh the lyrics like you you'll never leave these arms of mine or for, I, I'm blanking on the ly- the mm-hmm. actual lyric but it was like so powerful and that experience
0: was just like I want that someday yeah. too, you know
2: yeah um there's no so yeah
0: there's nobody better at that than than him totally yeah but there's nobody better at it and
2: i'm realizing now that um you know i've written like love songs for sam and and stuff like that for for actual people but to have that connection is like and and he's not even here yet and i'm already just fantasizing about this whole thing um so yeah the the next project i'm working on is called father and son oh. um It'll just be like an e p of of three or four songs, um hopefully coming out in June around father's day so oh that's wow the plan. that's the plan right now um I've already got all the all the songs and stuff and just been ju- just uh recording from home and you know piecing it together that way so
0: are you doing a acoustic or you have other instrumentation on it? yeah, mainly
2: acoustic uh no drums except maybe like a bass drum or something, but um okay. Be very acoustic and just like, not not necessarily lullabies, but um, more folky kind of stuff than
0: I've put out before. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. I'll i look forward yeah. to hearing that. I, I, I remember getting very inspired to write songs, but I was mostly just freaking the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Chad told me she was pregnant. I was like, okay, I need to make more money. <laughs> right i've i've been in that same spiral <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's so funny it goes it goes away i mean it it doesn't completely go away but that that panicky feeling where you're like how is this gonna work is uh it goes away and, and it it's fine um and you just you know it works out somehow you just you don't think it is and then it, it just does yeah um well, that's, I look forward to hearing that, man. That's, that's really, really cool. I, um I wish I had your, uh, your, your uh, work ethic as far as writing songs is concerned. I mean, y- you, you've kind of built up since I've met you. I keep hearing all your, your stuff and your output and I love it. I really love your voice and what you've done and, you know. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. What is it about drummers that just want to be in the front? (laughs) (laughs) What is it? You know, when, when did you decide that you wanted to write songs and and not play drums and not do that thing and be a singer songwriter?
2: Well, honestly, if I, if I hadn't grown up in such a rural area where there's very few other, you know, musicians to start a band with, um, I, I wanted to sing and play drums. You know, I, I first started on the drums and then wanted to sing while I played drums, like Levon Helm or something, you know? Um, but I didn't really have any, none of my friends played music, none of my like best friends in school. Um, it wasn't until really like college that uh, I had a lot of musician friends. But so that that sort of like, I wa- I was like, well, I wanna sing. And you can't really just, like, play drums and sing a melody, you know. I would even, like, put on, like, a harmonica rack or something while I'm playing the drums just to have some some kind of melody going on while yeah. I was playing. Um, so I really learned guitar just to accompany singing. Yeah. And um I remember seeing Bruce Springsteen perform on this telethon uh right after 9-11, and that was, like, when it really clicked for me that you can – you can have this really powerful thing with just a guitar and a voice and uh, impact people, you know?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I had a very similar experience. Like I, lo- I love to sing and, and I love to play drums and, and then I just thought like, I, I was trying to do the same thing, playing drums and singing and have it be impactful. And then anytime I would play one of those like how you say the uh, background music gigs, like you know, you're playing, you're playing a bunch of covers, and you know, you're you're not even really supposed to be there. <laughs> and um, just you, furniture at that point. Yeah, and you know, people are looking around, eating their mashed potatoes, like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Um, <laughs> don't they have a stereo? Um, but I would play those gigs. I'd just be like, this just isn't hitting. I don't feel like from back here behind this seat. I can really even try to get someone's attention. Like I feel like if I had a guitar and I was up there, I could, you know, say something or say a, something funny that maybe gets somebody listening or, or, whatever. I, or just remember that being a struggle and was the biggest reason why I, I ended up picking up a guitar, and and wanting to write songs and and do that whole thing. And I find it's like it's more maybe not more fulfilling, but it has a different sense of fulfillment to it. You feel like, you know, you're taken more seriously that way when you're not doing the Don Henley or Levon thing, which is kind of crazy, because they were amazing, but.
2: Right. Um, well, yeah, and it's it's almost like the drums are, you know, you're, because you're behind them, not that it's stationary, but it's like you're, you're so, you're in, it's in between you and the audience in a comfortable way and right you know the first time you like just have a guitar and you're singing in front of people it's it's very bare and very scary you know yeah yeah like it still is you know yeah definitely i'd I'd probably prefer being behind a drum kit you know performing but
0: um, yeah it's funny because i have a completely different approach from when i'm playing a show with like carbon leaf or and then when i'm going up and doing a solo thing like you know you're you're up there you're in a you're in a vulnerable situation and like when i go up and play drums in front of a bunch of people with the drum set in front of me and doing doing my thing like i don't feel any of that same feeling none of it Mm -hmm. it's just like you're up there you're playing you don't really have to connect with anyone at that point you just have to play um But then, yeah, that that vulnerable feeling is like, you know, after the pandemic, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was different for you. But in my experience, booking that first show back was really, really tough because it's not something I'm really super comfortable doing. Um, But I imagine you were like raring to go.
2: Yeah, definitely uh, raring to go. I haven't played any like i mean i played a couple like bigger shows since since uh the the lockdown and everything but um honestly the scariest thing i i could do was start this live stream thing where i was doing like once a week and it's so weird man like being in performing in front of your computer to me is is seems more vulnerable in a way mm. you know Cause you you don't get that audience feedback in the same way that you do with a live audience. Um, so I was I
0: was definitely you know excited to to be back in person. And you were one of the people that did the live stream and actually like had a couple of different camera angles. You had you had overlays going on. I like I liked your live stream a lot. I think people Thank that you. put put a little bit of time and effort into it got more out of it you know even if it was just for another skill you know right yeah and yeah
2: and like we talked about like you know i i never thought that i would have to learn all those things but it felt like i did and it was it was something to keep my mind off of all the crazy event you know all the crazy things that were going on you know during 2020 um but yeah It's, as you know, it's so hard to like produce yourself or be the, be the camera guy, be the, uh, the live stream tech person and Mm -hmm. remember lyrics while you're playing or, you know, something pops up on your screen and and you're like oh what's that and it's
0: it's a very weird <laughs>
2: it's so way true to like
0: perform yeah it's so true yeah. yeah dude when the comments are going and you're like right. reading comments at the same time as playing you're like what was uh, where am i <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah yeah totally that is something that not a lot of people understood, like had had to ever deal with or to deal with cuz i am like you know squirrel you know right. <laughs> De- oh definitely, yeah uh, definitely like that um so, so it didn't seem like you were doing it by yourself was there someone else helping you out switching switching cameras with you or did you have like a foot so pedal the camera or switching uh I did a lot of research
2: for like a, a whole week I you know was like watching YouTube tutorials on using obs and 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 uh, different camera angles there's actually a automatic switcher that you can set up to be timed and I had oh, all these really? old... I had all these old iPhones, like I didn't have enough money to buy webcams and stuff, but there's a OBS um, app, you know, on the iPhone. So I bought it for like $2 and was able to hook up, I think the most cameras I was using was like three or four at a time and, and just set them up to be timed. And of course they're older iPhones and the battery's not great. So one of them would crap out and, It'd just be like a still image of me playing, and then it'd go to like the next camera that was actually live and <laughs> I'd see in the comments like hey this this camera's not working blah 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 and it's just like, oh my gosh, I can't so a lot of a lot of those uh live streams I actually would pre-record because if something like that happened and it got that bad, I would stop it and you know re-record it mm-hmm. and it it was like less stressful to me for some reason to not do it live every time um Hmm. and then i was able to like play the the video i'd recorded which was maybe an hour or two before the actual live stream went live um right but then i would be able to like comment with people and you know take care of the tech stuff and not have to worry about the performance
0: that's that's a really good idea that's a really good idea. I didn't realize that you were do- doing that. And maybe, maybe I, I didn't see time, one. Yeah. That, yeah, maybe I didn't see one that you did do that. But um, that's a really good idea. I would try to, with my live streams, I would try to um, make a video, like an intro video, or have something to play in the middle that would just give me a break or give mm-hmm. give me a second to like maybe collect my thoughts or or read through the lyrics of the next couple songs i wanted to do because i never have a plan when it comes when it comes to that like i would in the beginning but like you know i still do them and yeah i saw that yeah every now and then i'm thinking like "Mm, do i is this should i still be doing this is this lame what am i doing you know but i always look at it as a chance to um connect with People that listen to the podcast it's it's they know it's not going to be perfect you know there's some there's usually like some kind of hilarious moment that happens that everyone talks about later on and and uh i just leave it pretty open and fun and and uh so i'll just you know i'll probably keep doing it until they tell me i should stop (laughs) until face yeah and i actually i just got back into
2: it um Recently, I actually did one this past Tuesday, and I have one coming up March 8th, and it's really just because I know that I'm not going to be hitting a ton of places again this year with the baby coming and yeah. just kind of regrouping. Um, so there's, I'm fortunate that I have some fans, you know, in other places that aren't they can't come and see me here in New England. So mm-hmm. I gotta keep those connections going, you know. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah, of course. Do you um, are you trying to get out there for some opening slots with anyone? Have you done any opening slots for anyone? Is that on your radar?
2: I would love that. Uh, that is a a huge goal of mine to to get some in the calendar. I haven't, you know, haven't opened for anybody since before the pandemic. Um, but and then my band, we can talk about that too. Um, yeah, for sure you know i had a had a band for like 3 4 years and what's crazy is we weren't planning on a ton in 2020 so we were fortunate that we were we weren't the one of the groups that had a big release coming and a big tour and had to cancel it and all that stuff um and we have a lot of friends that had to do that and it was really depressing to you know the whole music community that was like what we we can't you know you yeah. can't do what yeah. we're, what we always do. Um, so that was kind of nice. We were, we were already planning on having 2020 be like a break. Um, but then Sam and I moving back here and it just, things kind of fell apart in a, a sort of natural way. We got burned out, you know, being mm-hmm. gone so much. Yeah. Um, but that's the other thing too, that we realized about, uh, living in Nashville is you know i when we moved back here like people keep asking me like well there's no music business here there's no you know industry here but i was like yeah i was gone pretty much 3 out of every 7 days for for 3 or 4 years that i lived in nashville um so i wasn't using nashville as the as the industry tool that it is right uh, i'd come on come home and stay stay at home you know <laughs> to to like refresh yeah
0: yeah and then um i talked about this a bit with uh with my buddy sam who was on the podcast he he is he's in maine he has a recording studio called great north sound and um he we talked about this a bit with with being not in one of the big hubs like la or or nashville or new york and and how people think of it as uh as not a failure is the wrong word. It's, it's like more of a stigma of like, Oh, you're not trying to make it or, or whatever, but there's a lot of different forms, a lot of different things that you can do now that we live in this age where we can do a podcast over zoom, you know, in two different States or even across the world. Um, and you can make things happen. Like for any business, or any entrepreneur, which is exactly what a musician is, or especially singer songwriter that has to make things happen for themselves. You go out there, you call, you send emails. You have contacts. You know managers of of people. You can get out there and and hound people and get some gigs. Like you're ta- you're super talented. So like there is no reason why you have to be in one particular area. Of course, like if you're if you're a Um, if you're like a hired gun, it's going to be, you're going to be way better off living in a place like Nashville or, or LA. That's where the buses leave from, you know, Mm -hmm. and people don't necessarily want to pay, um, shell out money to fly people in, you know, just to leave uh, again. So it's just, um, that kind of thing, you know, there's a difference there, but I I think it's awesome. I think it's super cool, like playing playing those gigs that you're up there making a living, writing your music. I I think it's spectacular. You know, I don't think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's great that you moved back home.
2: Yeah, thank you. thanks, man. And uh, the other thing that I realized about moving back here was when I was based in Nashville. You know, I I would always say like you know, Nashville-based artist or... It, w- it was like that was my identity, but it never felt like my true identity, and it never set me apart from any of the other people that are in Nashville, you know, right. doing the singer-songwriter thing. We'd go out on the road and, and and use Nashville, the name, but it. I think I'm learning more that by being back in New Hampshire, being back with, with the roots of of how I even got into, you know, music, I'm going to be much better off like being unique or being
0: myself. Of course, 100%. No. I 100% agree with that. I mean, look at Kellogg. Kellogg lives in Connecticut. Exactly. Yeah. Look at, look at Gregory Alan Isaacoff. He lives in Boulder, Colorado in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's artists from all over the world and, and what sets them apart is them, not where they live. Right. So, I think that kind of speaks speaks for itself. And plus like you're in that New England circuit. You can jump around and play Boston and and you'd probably get there in not that long of a time. And how far away from Boston are you? I'm like two hours just
2: shy of two hours.
0: Yeah. I'm actually where I am right now, I'm about the same distance, but south. Um yeah. so it's it's just it's all it's all in what you want to put into it. I, I honestly I really don't think has anything to do with where you're from i mean i i play with a band based out of richmond virginia and i live in rhode island you know how, how the fuck did that happen yeah. so it's just like because you're good <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> and i was in the right place at the right time it, yeah you know that's just that's it, and you're available. You and make I was, available yeah exactly exactly so i think it's awesome but do you have a band that you're working on getting together up in new Hampshire uh do you need a drummer Um, (laughs) I would love to play together man yeah dude um yeah I mean since
2: I've been sort of going back to the solo thing I haven't played with the band much although last fall I was able to get uh some friends from Nashville up here for just a week of shows and um I think because we're all in our you know 30s now we're like it needs to make sense the mm-hmm. The gig needs to pay well, you know, and everybody needs to take be taken care of. Um, so I think, as far as band stuff goes, that's gonna be the only the only opportunities we're gonna take with that is if it makes sense if if everybody's happy. Um, right. but yeah, um, mm-hmm. and th- those guys I'm still sourcing from Nashville, so that's there's a cost there to to travel and stuff. but um I haven't found. You know, I haven't really gone searching yet because we're still in this weird world where, you know, we're not super social. Um, but I'd like to eventually get get back out in the scene and maybe travel to Boston and and meet some people or you know connect with some more locally sourced uh, guys because I I do miss playing in that band atmosphere. You know, it's right. I miss playing electric guitar
0: too. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's so fun. I was yeah. uh I'm in the market for an amp right now. I'm like oh, a guy nice. with electric guitars with no amp. I like play through my <laughs> my logic yep. uh thing on my on my computer, which is so fucking lame. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it effective. helps the young kid around though. <laughs> it does. It does. But man, you just want to crank it sometimes and just you know, I remember in my parents basement i had a marshall half stack and i have a les paul and i would dude i would just you know i'd be playing incubus and you know i have the mic up to the to the pa system just singing at the top of my lungs it's just the best the best feeling ever man so fun yeah uh yeah um, if you can feel it in your chest that's that's when you know it's loud enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's when you know Oh man! Well, dude, I hope you can get out and um I hope you find the time that that's the biggest thing about having a kid is, is just finding new little pockets of time you know all the time that you normally have had to yourself, you don't anymore, so it's like um, I hope you can get out there and play and play after that whatever three four month period of of you gotta be home all the time, but mm-hmm. um tell me about um the guys the guys that you've been playing with in nashville are they are they playing with other people um now down there is is anybody i know anyone i'm familiar with
2: maybe uh so the brooks hubbard band was um my my buddy from college justin kimball on bass um amazing bass player he's actually been uh doing backing vocals now which is awesome to see that he's like growing that way too he plays with a ton of people down there um you know does session work and he's an engineer himself as well um so he's kind of he's got all the tools he needs to keep himself busy he's one of those guys that just like never stops working yeah Yeah. um and then our friend nate mold was the drummer in brooks hubbard band um i haven't talked to him in a while but I want to say he's doing less in music since the pandemic. Uh, I think he he's really into like retail and fashion um, stuff, which is really cool. So I That's think cool. he's been following that um, that dream a little bit more. Um, the other drummer that uh, came up this past fall, our friend Aaron Nelson, plays with Ian No, who's a great singer songwriter. He's worked with Dave Cobb and you know some of the big the big guys in Nashville. And then our friend Drew Smithers, who's a slide guitar player, um, actually, he was on the road a little bit with like Blackberry Smoke last year and mm. plays in J-Mo and Friends, which J-Mo from the Allman Brothers Band. And uh, now, I think he's in Marcus King's band. Really? Um, yeah. At least, oh. they posted a video a couple of days ago of him and, and Marcus playing uh, at Carter Vintage Guitars in, in Nashville, so... Drew is, like, the the guy I know that's, like, just taken off. And he was in this band called Bishop Gunn um, for a while that, I mean, they had all the backing do you they, could imagine.
0: Dude, do they have – does Bishop Gun, Gun have a song called Shine? Yes. Shine it's, your light he, on me. Theo Vaughn's, uh, Theo Vaughn. Yeah, Vaughn's podcast yeah, yeah. Uh, theme. I was getting yeah. so sick of that song because I love Theo Vaughn <laughs> yeah. and, and he would just play it every time. I was like, he's going to play it every single time, <laughs> but he does. And it's great. And that was his, I saw Theo in Boston and, uh, and the, I mean, I guess it would be 40 years ago now, f- three or four years wow. ago. And, uh, he came out and, and walked off stage to that, to that song.
2: Yep. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. So that's Drew is playing on that. Um, Bishop gun. I, as of right now, I think they're kind of done. Um, really, like beginning of 2020, Drew left the band and then like a month later they announced uh that they were taking a hiatus. So I don't I don't think that that's happening anymore, but um what's really cool is is that Drew got, you know, made all these connections while he was in that group and for sure. I mean, he pl- he plays with Robin Ford down in Nashville. Um He's he's sat in with, like, pretty much everybody that you and I listen to, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. So those are the guys that um, I call upon to, you know, to be in a band. And, and when it works, I actually just texted them this morning because we have some interest up here to do, you know, a, a week of shows uh, in the fall. So with, like, you know, good, good backing and, and, you know, house concert kind of stuff and we had a great time last fall. So it's was like, yeah, why not? You know, I think yeah. that's the, the, the goal of everybody these days, I think is just like, yeah, let's,
0: let's have fun. You know, <laughs> let's, yeah, totally. That's what we're supposed but, to do. You know, do you ever get to do any of those ski lodges up there? Yeah.
2: I, so this winter, this whole winter, I've been playing, um, this place called the Wobbly Barn, which is up in Killington area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not at the mountain, but it's, uh you know an apres ski kind of thing and is
0: Killington where like the pickle barrel pickle barrel yeah. is okay right down the road yep yeah yeah i've played there a couple times with my my old band out of boston yep yeah so that's that's
2: been a fun gig man being back in just being back in the seasons again like the yeah, picture i have behind me is the you know the pond at my dad's house and i'm it's i'm beautiful. like I'm loving the the winter thing. I mean, I'm it's getting old now where it's like warm and then cold, warm and then cold. You know, can't that's make- the worst part about it. Like pe- hate,
0: yeah. people in California are like how do you even live up there in the snow. I was like, the snow is fucking awesome. The snow yeah. is great if you know what you're doing and you know how to deal with it. Like, there is no more fun thing than driving in the snow. It is yeah. the greatest thing ever. Just like peeling around corners and you know doing donuts. It's the fucking best. Yeah, um, if you do it safe if you do it right. safe, you know, if there's no one around <laughs> or if there's um, but it's just uh, yeah, having the seasons around, that's one of the reasons why I don't I never wanted to leave New England I just, I love mm. it up here so much I really do, I can deal with the cold
2: yeah, same I'm a cold weather person for sure I mean, I got
0: the extra layers, you know what I'm saying? Same. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I stay that's why I stay hefty yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm sure you remember though our our tour you know with Kellogg when we were out in Colorado and got snowed in home oh coming god. down from the mountains
0: and dude that was crazy <laughs> you got us out of there I know. You, get, you got us out of there how oh my god, I was talking about that story with um i can't I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but it was recent, and dude, that was. How long was that drive? It was like nineteen hours from from Crested Butte to like LA or something. Yeah. Like even just saying those two places in one sentence is ridiculous. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. Oh my God. Forty was, inches and
2: forty hours is what I remember. Forty snowfall. inches.
0: Yeah. I just remember being in that hot tub.
2: Yeah. But I feel like we went we went to the hot tub like, you know, three consecutive days and it just got sadder every day. <laughs> yeah. First day I was like woo. Second day I was like. Uh. Third day I was like man, what are we doing? <laughs> Third day's like, uh,
0: can we get out of here now?
2: Yeah, and we oh, didn't have any right. ski equipment, or
0: you know, we weren't able to like take advantage of the the craziness. I know, I I I do I do regret not going skiing. Is did Elliot go skiing? Skiing? I can't remember what what he ended up doing, but um, I don't know. I just remember being like, I haven't skied since I was. Seventeen, and if I I will probably break something, and then I won't be able to finish this tour. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just gonna stay out of it. And but it was probably even more dangerous to do what we did was you know drive a a front wheel drive or a rear wheel drive van <laughs> yeah. through through the passes of Colorado with you know that much snow on the ground. It was pretty sketchy.
2: Yeah, at least it wasn't snowing at that point, but it was still on the ground and icy and yeah, that was like my first experience of, of any of that out there. Me too. Me yeah. too.
0: Um, that was, uh, <laughs> oh my God, that was a that was intense. I even remember coming into uh, Crested Butte when we were on a pass. I was asleep. I was lying down in my bunk and then Steven like woke me up to like get up and put my seatbelt on and I was like, what's happening? What is happening right now? It was like really, <laughs> really stressful. And then we got there and it was fucking beautiful. Crescent Butte's yeah. the best. We that actually really
2: cool. I'd love to come back.
0: We went back there. I played with Steven there. It must have been um twenty nineteen or something. It was it was me, him, and uh Cookie and one and another guy. And um we played we played just this kind of like mountain a bunch of mountain stages, like a bunch of uh really nice mountains had like a, wind, a a concert series it was i think it, it might have been july or august or something oh uh, cool which was really cool because it, it the weather was beautiful the scenery was incredible and we got to play these really nice these really nice stages and um and uh yeah that was that was pretty fun so it's great it's a great part of the country
2: I might be heading out there actually this summer. I'll, def- I'll be in Colorado in July um, Okay. For, for a few things, but um, I'd love to get out there. I actually have some friends in Crested Butte now. So. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Fancy friends in Crested Butte. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, that's great, dude. Uh, so what this week, you're, we were talking about the week that you would be playing near uh, Killington and stuff. So when is this supposed to happen?
2: Killington my next time there I think is uh gosh March 5th I think let me check my calendar but it was coming up
0: Yeah that's like um, next week right Yeah next Saturday is that the day cuz yeah. I'm going to I'm going to go next see Saturday. John Mayer on the on the 4th in Boston
2: Ooh mm-hmm. do you think he's going to have any covid uh
0: subs that sure was crazy hope, man Sure hope not <laughs> Yeah, that's the, you heard uh, about the quest love? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, oh, did I God. hear about it? I've been <laughs> I have been watching YouTube videos from everybody's cell phone footage for the <laughs> last for the last two weeks. You know, I, I have I know every set list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited, man. I, I hope not. I don't know what what did they end up doing for the next couple of shows. That I don't know. I know that he's I think he's gonna out. be back. He's gonna be back? I well, think so.
2: Cause there's like a six day gap or something like
0: that. That's lucky.
2: Yeah. That's lucky. Um, I love that Questlove called the, his band, the, the Avengers band. Yeah, it really is. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just think of the, the list of people that he can call upon in an hour's notice to like come and play a Madison Square Garden.
0: What do you think about the choice to go
2: with Steve Ferrone? Yeah, I was surprised, honestly. Um I was, I was very surprised. That I'm guessing that Aaron Sterling didn't want to go on the road again, or yeah, you know, he's just not, unavailable. Yeah. yeah, he's unavailable. He's he's got probably so much work
0: at home. Um, got tons of work. He's got a family. He was on. He's been right. on the road with with him since 2012. Yep, I think since born and raised. Um, so that was uh, yeah, I was surprised because I Aaron Sterling, he's not um he he has over time like really grown on me as far as i mean he's amazing but Mm. just seeing seeing what he does and how how appropriate he plays to the song and and the sounds he gets um i was like oh man this dude is like this is john's drummer like he really Mm. he was my favorite version of john's band and i am like one of the biggest steve jordan fans on the planet Mm -hmm. Um, but to pick Steve Ferrone, I bet Steve Jordan would have been the drummer if he wasn't the Rolling Stones drummer.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I think so too.
0: Yeah, but I mean, Steve Ferrone, like I've seen, it, he sounds great. But when I when I see him, like he's an older guy. You know, he he has that like when musicians get older, they have a a certain like look about them when they play, and a certain like loss of sound or groove or something like that and it, and I just watch him play and I fi- I feel almost like the same way as when I would watch Charlie Watts play you know what I mean not mm-hmm. maybe not quite to that extent but right. but it's just like oh this is just weird this is just a little strange having having him up there but um I don't know I'm probably going to take that out I hate talking shit about other drummers <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's he was obviously
2: a great drummer for Petty and, and like he really stepped up the the game with Petty. I think that, that for like, sure. But that was a long time ago that.
0: Am he, I crazy though? He does he out. not, does he, do you know what I mean? Like he's an old, he's an older guy. Like, you yeah. know, I've heard, I heard a couple songs where I was like, oh man, he sounds great on this. And then there was other things where I'm like, he doesn't sound so great on this. Um So I don't know. I I, I th- I think it's just uh, maybe it's just me. Wh- being such a Aaron Sterling fanboy, wanting to see him play with play with Mayor,
2: where Aaron Sterling is is very much to the song. Um, Steve Ferroni's a little more old and not old, but you know, like set in his ways. That mm-hmm. he's he might not. He's he's probably going to always be Steve Ferrone, whereas Aaron <clears throat> is going to adapt to different styles because John obviously had uses all kinds of styles and,
0: in that's a really good way catalog. to put it. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Cause that's, that's more of what, what it is and what's happening, you know? Um, because there's already been things that I've heard that I'm like, Oh, that's, that's completely different than anyone's played it before. And I kind of equate it to when, um, Keith Carlock was playing with, with, uh, John Mayer, mm-hmm. because that was, so far out of left field, I had no, like, when he announced that Keith Carlock was playing with him, I was like, how is that going to work? And mm. obviously, you know, these these guys are amazing. They're great drummers. They're pros. They they do it. But, you know, Keith, just with the way he plays and the snap and, and his, like, really open drum sound, I was like, how yeah. is this going to work with, with Mayer? And eventually, you know, I don't know if you saw any of the the mayor interviews after battle studies but it was like a pretty bad time for him (laughs) you know that yeah that tour and and that whole experience
2: i saw i saw keith on that tour um and yeah i mean i kind of had that thought too some of the songs were very different from the record which might have been a mutual decision but um for sure playing to the strengths of of how keith plays and I actually went down a rabbit hole recently. A YouTube, you know, just
0: watching Keith Carlock
2: play. It's so fun to
0: watch, (laughs) dude. The way the way he plays is incredible, incredible. How he, especially his hi hat and his and his ride cymbal play is just, uh, it's uh, it's unlike how anyone else does it. It's like he that stick is doing all the work. Oh yeah. Who are some of your favorite drummers, other than other than these guys?
2: Yeah, I mean i got it yeah i was into you know i had like the early on hard rock phase um with like black sabbath and led zeppelin and so that was like the first stuff that i really attached to in drumming but um later on when i got into the band and to mm-hmm. leave on um i really got into like song drummers you know uh, like an aaron sterling so it's I I think my favorite drummers are the drummers that are able to adapt and,
0: uh, sort of be a, like half producer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The ones, the ones that can adapt and like find the appropriate snare sound or the, and not just like play like this is my sound and that's how this is going to happen. Right. Um, which those guys are out there too. And they, you know, they sound great they play great, but Aaron Sterling's getting all the calls. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, But yeah, social media game is like incredible. (laughs) He's outrageous, man. He's outrageous. He's a funny guy. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I've heard some stories about him. Like I know, I don't know Aaron Sterling at all. I've never met him, never had a conversation with him. But I had heard before all the mayor stuff, like he wasn't like the easiest guy to get along with or to work with. And uh, it seems like, since all of his his success and you know time and time again all the records he's played on and and just his availability like i could write a song and have and literally have aaron sterling play on it like anybody can right you know which i think is amazing i think it's i think it's great it's like hey if you're willing to pay pay for it then i'll you know he'll play on it and um I think, I think that's great. Over time, I've really, like I said earlier, like I really warmed up to him. Like I really thought like this guy is fucking great. <laughs> you know, I He's just, a, I like him.
2: Yeah, like when I first learned about the, you know, it, it, like I'm pretty sure the mayor, the first mayor tour he did was like the first
0: national act
2: tour he, you know, actually went on the road with, right?
0: It could have been. Uh, I'm not I'm not exactly sure because I know he was doing I think he was doing some country stuff before that. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if he had been on the on the road for an extended period of time. But I I think it was a a podcast episode of I'd hit that. Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned. Yeah. He mentioned like he has a guy that just he never sets up his drums. I was just like, man, that's that's the dream. He's just like, I just don't (laughs) want to do it. I just can't do it. I just don't. Yeah. I can't. I'm He's like, a no Man. bullshit guy I like that. He is a no bullshit guy, and uh, I wish I had more of that attitude. i just be like, yeah. Nah, I just can't. I just can't do it. Nah. I'm just is not. that
2: how we're like eventually going to become? Like when we're a little more older
0: and sour, we're. I'm nearly like, no, there. This was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm nearly there. I'm nearly like at the point where like, oh, you know I want to set it up? All right, I'll just sell them. <laughs> like yeah I'm done learning this is what I know <laughs> this is what I'm doing
2: it's time to learn you other know? other stuff now
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah that's funny I do I do feel a bit like that every day especially during the pandemic I'm like oh god I just can't deal with any more bullshit you know? <laughs> I can't set up another hi-hat stand <laughs> um it's so funny because I, I I had said after uh you know when when the pandemic started and and when we lost, started losing money and all that, um, I was like, "Oh my god!" When we come back, I am never going to complain about another load in, and another load out again. And the first show we had back, I was like, "Jesus Christ! This load in, I have to walk all this shit over here." You know, I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I'm just like, well, I guess I really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you really hate something when it was literally taken away from you. And you go back and you don't, you don't want to do it. <laughs> but,
2: you know. My dad always says that you get paid for the load in and load out and you play for free. 100%.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. All the people that don't have to load in their stuff, they get paid to play. But <laughs> we don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we're, we are hired movers that make sound. yeah yeah we and it's not even their stuff we're moving they're not even getting (laughs) anything out of it the band sucks then they just paid for something that sucks um well dude it was great catching up with you man look out for baby hubbard in april that's right
2: yeah awesome that's the big thing that's the big release
0: (laughs) well all the best man i wish the best for you guys congratulations and um yeah i'll be be talking with you soon sounds great man good to catch up that's it it wasn't too cringy when i was talking about steve ferrone i hope not um i hope you don't think so but uh that was it man brooks is is a great dude and i uh i think you should all go out and check out his music and hopefully it gets out there congratulations to him and his lovely wife for uh for the birth of their son and um that's it guys after the gig pot at gmail.com is the email and the Patreon is patreon.com slash after the gig, and that's how you can support the show. Please join me next week, and uh, I have Matt Shane, who is a producer out of, out of uh, New York City, who I've worked with, and he's a lovely man, and uh, that'll be next week. So, see you then. Bye. It's a pretty girl at the edge of town
1: She stole my heart don't know how To build a wall It's hard to break But I could see it From the things she said. say Janie works till about Six o'clock I count the hours to she gets off She makes me dinner We should small talk I try to show some interest interesting wild thoughts She says you can make me smile You can make me bleed You can make me see the things that I don't like about me you can make me laugh until i cry but boy don't pretend you know what it's like We don't talk about it much. Addiction overshadows everything she's done. We try to help, but it's never enough. The pain in her veins is forever stuck. She says, my life is just like an open sea. And I'm lying in a shipwreck somewhere deep. And maybe someday it will be found, but babe, I got a feeling that it ain't right now. In my arms When I left Her house was dark Got a call Around midnight Janie went flying But she flew too high Pretty girl Town. I think about her every now the sun goes down Who gets to be her lover now and what the hell, it doesn't matter anyhow